Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, May the 29th, 2022. It is currently 6.18 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. No, this is not what was scheduled to be going on right now. I'm supposed to be, I was supposed to be behind the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church preaching tonight, but things change, plans change, things happen, especially when you have a small church and it's Memorial Day weekend. You can imagine different things happening. So um, it is Memorial Day weekend. And even though I'm not there, I did not want to waste an opportunity to turn on our microphone and talk to you about important theological issues. And I had planned tonight to talk about this very subject. I'm just, I've rearranged and changing the way I'm going to talk about it, but I hope it will be very beneficial. Now, as I've already mentioned, it is Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend, I know that you are very aware of what Memorial Day is all about, but just in case you're not, or maybe for those who live in a different country, Memorial Day is a day on which those who died in active military service are remembered. Memorial Day is a day on, uh, on which those who died in active military service are remembered. On Memorial Day is a day set aside to remember those who died serving this country, fighting this country's wars, defending the freedoms and the ideals of this country. That's what Memorial Day is about, and that means it's a day where we remember a lot of people who have died because of the number of wars that have been fought. The human beings who were created in the image of God who have died. And so for many, Memorial Day is not just, well, barbecues and time with the family and, and the really the beginning of summer. I, I know it's kind of connected with that, maybe more so in kind of the broader culture. Yes, it's Memorial Day. Yes, they, they kind of have an idea, but really it's hard not to connect it with, hey, summer's out. I mean, uh, school's out, summer's starting, you know, it, it's time for all, you know, baseball, you know, uh, grilling, food, parks, road trips, all the different activities that people do on Memorial Day. And by no way, and by no means am I condemning those activities. I'm just saying that it, it, it's easy for people to forget what Memorial Day is about. But for some, especially for family, family members who have lost a loved one in active military service, Memorial Day can be a day of great sadness, a day of great grief, maybe a day of great bitterness, maybe even a day of great anger, especially if a loved one died in a military conflict that you did not agree with and you don't believe America should even have been involved in or whatever the case may be. It can be a day of great pain, a day of great bitterness and frustration and anger. And that, that's just a re the reality of it. It's a day of great sorrow for many people. We cannot deny that. But this year, Memorial Day just happens to coincide with a lot of other horrible, tragic things that have unfolded. We have the ongoing war going on in Ukraine where people are dying and being killed. We've had the horrible mass shooting in Buffalo where people died because of racism. We had the absolutely horrific, horrific report put out by the SBC talking and, 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 well, giving us details about sexual abuse within the Southern Baptist Convention. It's just disturbing to read. And then we had the absolutely tragic, disgusting, horrible shooting that it, it took place in Uvalde, Texas, where young children ages around seven to 10 years of age were slaughtered and were killed by someone walking into a school with guns and killing them. All of, the, all of these situations are horrible. All of these situations are sickening. All of these situations are tra tragic. All of them involve, well, either the death of human beings or human beings suffering and being abused and misused 
by other people, in many cases, other people who claim to be pastors or, you know, believers in Christ. Horrible situations. And they can fill you with a lot of emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, maybe even discouragement, maybe maybe even depression. Even talking about these things can make you very angry, especially when you talk about them and you're bothered and you're upset about the loss of life and people being abused and the and these horrible things that are happening. And the next thing you know, instead of finding like-minded people who grieve and weep and are filled with sorrow and anger, then it turns into or descend into some crazy argument about, you know, gun ownership and and politics and and all of this. Just the suffering gets overlooked as everyone wants to fight and argue about other things. But human beings die. Human beings suffered. And that pain and that anger, well, it has to be expressed, not just in these situations. I want you to hear me carefully. When it, we're human beings, right? And I know that Christianity has a theology that is very prominent in the minds of many Christians. When there is pain, when there is suffering, we are supposed to simply raise our hands and praise and say, it is well with my soul. We're so simply supposed to raise our hands and say, everything is great. All things work together for good. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. It doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter the suffering. It doesn't matter the death. Now, when I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter in the sense that we are so, somehow supposed to just say, everything is great and everything is wonderful. And that is a theology that is very, very influential. It is very influential. And even if someone will not state it in such direct terms as I just did, the idea is there. Oh, you've been hurt. You've been abused. You know, you've suffered some horrible tragedy, whether it's happened to you or whether it's happened to a loved one. Well, you know, God has a purpose in everything. Everything has a purpose and and all things work together for good. And, you know, uh, you just trust in God and it'll be well with your soul and everything will be great. And, and, you know, and and just everyone just shows up giving you, in most cases, the most pathetic cliches known to mankind. I remember as a teenager when my mother died, just the people saying things like, you know, well, you know, God has a reason and, you know, uh, God, God decided it was time to take your mom, whatever, just, just absolutely. Absolutely horrific and horrible things that many sometimes even professing believers will say to people in a time of great tragedy. And what you're really not supposed to do is stand up and scream, I'm mad and I'm angry and I don't understand why God did this and I'm mad and I wish I was never born and I hate this life and I, no, 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 no. That demonstrates a lack of faith or that demonstrates a lack of belief or that demonstrates you don't trust in God and that may demonstrate that you're not even a believer. No, 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 no. Don't say anything like that. You're supposed to say all of the right words. I challenged that theology in this little mini-series that we're doing and in regards to prayer and pain. I challenged all of that because I believe we have a biblical theology. See, it's very, sometimes biblical theology is really, really, really different than, than church theology. We have, I, I think, I, I tend to say we have a, a biblical Christianity and we have a churchianity. And churchianity in many cases doesn't really even reflect biblical Christianity. It doesn't. Churchianity re- re- reflects the ideals and philosophies of a church, the the ideas, the rules, the thoughts of a church. Now, now, they may try to base it off scripture, and they may have some scripture, but in many times, it really reflects a, a, man-man, a man-made institution with man-made ideas and philosophies that are really counter to the word of God. And it happens over and over and over again. And we have to admit that, because no matter how much we lift up the Bible, say, sola scriptura, You get a group of people together, man, we'll make that Bible say whatever we want, and we'll use that Bible for whatever purpose we want, to justify whatever we want, and to create whatever rules we want, and to create any ideas that we want, but we'll we'll have a scripture to supposedly support it, and it's, it's just radically different. The church everything's just supposed to be wonderful and great. And, you know, you just, you just show your faith and you just put, put down all of those negative feelings. Because if you, if you state those negative feelings, 
you're putting out a negative confession and you're going to reap that negative confession. You got to put out a positive confession and, and you'll hear this kind of language just it, it has infiltrated. It's a cancer upon the evangelical mind. And those with real deep pain almost have to find themselves, you know what? The church is not for me because I'm obviously not spiritual enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not godly enough because I don't, I don't say it is well with my soul. No, sometimes you should be able to stand up and scream, it is not well with my soul. God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you done this? God, why am I even alive? You should be able to scream that out. And the Bible supports that very concept. It's called a biblical lament. I I defined a lament as a spiritual scream. It's a spiritual scream of pain. Biblical lament gives you the language of expressing that pain in an uncensored and unfiltered way to God. And some, some think that that is absolutely opposed to faith. I think it's in, it's in, I think it's in correct. It's not in opposition to faith. It's an agreement with faith. It's a correct expression of faith because you're screaming out to God. So there, that's in, that is demonstrating faith, putting on a fake smile and pretending and pushing down the negative feelings. That's not faith. That's fake. So we talked about this in great details. And I'm just going to remind you of a couple of things that we talked about in regards to a biblical lament, all right? Referring to a, just a number of, of articles, all right? Um, in, at a certain time, a country was under attack by an assortment of Middle Eastern peoples. The crisis was acute and its leader called the people to prayer. Um, and, uh, in fact, the time in question was about 850 BC. The country was the biblical kingdom of Judah. The enemies were from Ammon, Moab, and Edom, today all part of Jordan. The leader was the Davidic king, Jehoshaphat, and the prayer he called the people to was, I quote, we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes against us. We are at a loss what to do, hence our eyes are turned towards you. Basically, it was a lamentation. It was a lament. A lamentation is a prayer for help coming out of pain, and it is very common in the Bible, according to the one source, source that we looked at, over one-third or 50 or so of the Psalms are laments. Laments frequently occur in the book of Job. I quote, why did I not perish at birth, uh, come forth from the womb and expire? Job 3.11. Why was I even born? Why didn't I die from the very moment that I came forth from the womb? Why didn't I expire? Why did I not die right then and there? He's expressing a lament. He's expressing that pain. Why is my pain continuous and my wounds incurable? That's Jeremiah 15, 18. Habakkuk, my legs tremble beneath me. I await the day of distress that will come upon the people who attack us. One whole book, Lamentations, expresses the confusion and suffering felt after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. All right. And then Jesus himself laments to the father in the garden, Abba, father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me. In agony on the cross, Jesus makes his own, the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All right. Um, for example, Psalm 131, uh, out of the depths, I cried to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Psalm 6, 4, my soul too is utterly terrified, but you, O Lord, how long? It's, these are Psalms expressing 
pain. And so what I said is here's what we have to learn to do. We go to the biblical laments in the Bible. We go to the Psalms. We can go to Job. We can go to Habakkuk. We can go to Jeremiah. We can go anywhere. I focused on the Psalms, but you can go find those words of lament where they're expressing their pain, expressing their confusion, expressing their anger, expressing their desire that they wish they were dead, express, expressing whatever. And yes, I understand that each one of those words have a historical context. And yes, by all means, we need to study that historical context and understand them in that historical context. But I think they provide us something else. They give us biblical language that we can then take and use those very words to express our pain, our anger, and our confusion to God. We can use their words to scream out our spiritual pain. And we have to rediscover this ancient tradition. We have to rediscover it, and we need to provide this as a tool to every believer. When you are in horrible pain, you pick up that Bible, you go find all of the words of lament in it. And you take those words and you make them yours and expressing your pain to God. Not that you're ripping them out of context and saying, oh, these words are about me. No, they're about those people who suffered pain, but they express their pain and it's recorded in scripture. So I'm going to use their words of pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me to express my feelings that God has forsaken me? That, that's the idea. That's the idea of a biblical lament. It is a tool that we must rediscover because now it allows a Christian not to be fake, but to have faith and express the real feeling, the real pain, the real confusion, the real anger in an unfiltered way to God. And by expressing it and putting it out there, you have a chance to move forward spiritually so that you may move past some of that anger and maybe grow spiritually and work through it and maybe develop a different mindset about it and be able to move forward spiritually. But you can't do anything if you just, in a sense, shove it all down, shove the anger and then put on a fake smile. All is well. It is well with my soul. Let's all sing that hymn. It is well with my soul when it's not well. Because sooner or later, all of that bitterness and all of that anger and all of that hurt, it's going to, sooner or later, the container holding it, it's go, the pressure is going to build and it's going to crack and it's going to end up having devastating consequences for you spiritually. It may have devastating consequences for your relationships, your relationship with God. It may just be absolutely a spiritual time bomb that's ticking and you're ignoring it. Because everyone tells you, no, 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 no. All we really do is the church wants you to put on fig leaves. Hey, cover up your cover up your anger, cover up your pain, cover up your depression, put on those fig leaves and tell everyone that it's wonderful. Tell it, hey, all, all things work together are good. Make sure you quote that. Make sure you say all the right words. Okay, everything is wonderful. And then things are not so wonderful. Things are not so great. And all the cliches and all the garbage people said doesn't help at all. Now, in expressing this pain and expressing this anger, there are two kinds of, I'm just going to focus here on the Psalms, two kinds of Psalms that everyone needs to be very, very familiar with. And this is what I was going to work on tonight. First, there are the Psalms of Lament. Psalms of Lament, and secondly, there are imprecatory psalms. Psalms of Lament and imprecatory psalms. Psalms of Lament and imprecatory psalms. Imprecatory is I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. Psalms of Lament and imprecatory psalms. And you need both of them. You need to know them. You need to know where to find them. You need to know the words of them because there's going to be times you need to express pain, anger, bitterness, frustration. You need to be real before God 
God can handle the reality of who you are. He already sees it. He already knows not all everything is not well. So we need to express it by faith to God so that we can work through it. So let's start first with the Psalms of Lament. All right. Now, biblical scholars tend to identify the Psalms by type or category, but they debate the exact classifications with some naming more categories than others. Generally, there is an agreement on a system that includes at least five types of Psalms. Okay, five five types of Psalms. Number one, a Psalm of Lament, Royal Psalms, Thanksgiving Psalms, Wisdom Psalms, and a mix of smaller genres such as historical and prophetic psalms. Now, I I think we have to add imprecatory to that list. I think we do, but but not everyone agrees with that. But a, a psalm of lament is definitely a category that usually shows up in most lists, depending on which book. If you're doing an overview to the book of Psalms, you're going to classify the psalms in different categories, right? And then you can study the book by studying the category or genre, you could even call it genre of psalms. Okay, here's all these psalms belong to this category or this genre and all of these psalms, and you can study them that way. That's that's one way of studying the book, or you can just go in order, identifying which category it is whenever you need to identify the genre, the category before you study, before you read or study a psalm, because if you don't have the correct category down, your interpretation could be greatly and negatively impacted by it. You got to kind of know what you're dealing with. All right. A lament is a major theme in the Bible and particularly in the book of Psalms. To lament is to express, listen, deep sorrow, grief, or regret. The Psalms of lament are beautiful poems or hymns expressing human struggles. I want you to realize they expressed human struggles. One of the things that I, I have I I have greatly dis. I mean, I, I could go through my whole history with contemporary Christian music, and yeah, I, I, we could go through a lot of it. But one of the things I've constantly had problems with, or or have voiced my issues with it, and many times is it connect. It it has to create almost a fake idea of what the Christian life is instead of a real one. It has to create a. They can't sing words that reflect reality. And anytime they sing songs that seem to reflect reality, oh, Christians lose their mind, right? Uh, there was a Christian band. Was it? I can't remember the name. I, I don't remember the name because uh, I'm just bringing this top of my head. But they, had, they did a song called Divorce. It was a contemporary Christian artist, and they did a song called Divorce. Oh, that Christian radio wouldn't play it. It was absolutely not. But it was dealing with the reality of divorce. And like, no, 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 no. We believe in the sanctity of marriage. We can't do that. We can't do that. You're promoting divorce. This is Christianity. You can't talk about it. I don't know. I don't know if you realize this. You may never have a song about divorce on Christian radio, but a lot of Christian marriages end Oh, in divorce, but no, 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 no. You can't sing about that. You just got to sing a positive, you know, that, that it's all wonderful and it's great. And, and the two become one. And we got we to gotta paint a picture that may not really describe reality. There was a Christian metal, not technically metal, more a Christian hard rock band who decided to write a song, basically taking a psalm of lament taking a psalm of lament that expressed frustration and confusion and doubt. And where is God? And they basically used those words. And once again, Christians were like, how dare you? This this shows no faith. This shows anger. This shows doubt. This is not godly. And the band had to go, you do realize that's from the book of Psalms, right? We literally use the words from the book of Psalms, right? You do realize that, right? We don't care. We don't care. You sing positive songs. You tell me everything is wonderful. You tell me everything is great. And it's such fake, fraudulent Christianity because the reality is there are people filled with pain and anger and bitterness and hurt. And there's got to... There's got to be a way in our faith to express that. The Bible does. So why can't we? We should be able to express a biblical lament. 
it expresses deep sorrow or regret. It Basically, it's poems and hymns expressing human struggles. I know it's shocking to the evangelical world because we sell Christianity. Come to Jesus and everything's going to be great. Marriage is going to be great. Everything's going to be great with your kids. Everything's wonderful. Everything It's going to be the sun's going to be shining every day. You're going to be happy. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful world. Oh, it's amazing. It's great. It's a, yeah. No, the Christian life is full of human struggles and failure and sin and doubt and pain and tragedy and sickness and disease and death and suffering. The Psalms of Lament comprise the largest category of Psalms, making up about one third of the entire book of Psalms. These Psalms are prayers that lay out a troubling situation to the Lord and makes a request for his help. Now, again, what I want to focus on is expressing, it expresses the pain. It expresses the confusion. And that's what Christians have to be taught to do. Lord, where are you? Lord, why were children slaughtered in Uvalde, Texas? Why, Lord, where were you? You did nothing. You let them die. You have to be able to express that. But see, I can't say that. No, 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 no. Shh, shh. You have, you have no faith. You have no faith. There are two types of of lament psalms, community and individual. Community psalms of lament deal with situations of national crisis. They describe problems faced by all the people of God. Psalm 12 is an example of a community lament, expressing sadness over widespread sin. I quote from the translation used in this article, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. Psalm 12, 1 through 2. Individual laments address various isolated troubles, problems faced by by one member of the people of God. An example of an individual psalm of lament is Psalm 86. As David lays out his need before God, arrogant foes are attacking me. Oh God, ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. Psalm 86, 14. There are 42 individual psalms of lament and 16 community or national psalms of lament. The Psalms of Lament are poetic hymns meant to be sung to God. They deal with issues that were and still are central to the life of faith for individual believers and the whole community of faith. The Lament Psalms express intense intense emotions, real human struggles, and the anguish of the heart experienced by the people of Israel as they lived out their faith individually and corporately. The men and women of the Old Testament were as real as we are today. They danced and sang, rejoiced and laughed, argued and confessed, lamented and mourned. They expressed emotions to God in prayer, just as we do today. When we encounter difficult struggles and need God's rescue, salvation, and help, the Psalms of Lament are a good place to turn. The great Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, treasured the Psalms of Lament. Of them, he said, and I quote, what is the greatest thing in the Psalter but, his, but this earnest speaking amid the storms, storm winds of every kind? Where do you find deeper, more sorrowful, more pitiful words of sadness than in the Psalms of Lamentation? There again you look into the hearts of the saints as into death, yes, as into hell itself. When they speak of fear and hope, they use such words that no painter could so depict for your fear or hope, and and no speaker has so portrayed them, and and that they speak these words to God and with God. This, I repeat, is the best thing of all. This gives the words to double earnestness and life. That's where we turn. They express it, we take the words, and we express it not ignoring their situation. In study, we want to identify the historical situation if we can. We want to identify the structure that is used, all of that. But at some point, when in, when I need them, 
break in, in case of emergency, I grab those words and then I go to my prayer closet and I scream out a spiritual pain and spiritual pain. And that's what a lamentation is. That's what a lament is. I scream it out to God. All right. Now that comes from what are the Psalms of lament from God questions because, well, it just, it's right there and it's easy to, to go through it. But th- there, there is a Psalms of lament Psalms of lament, they express pain, confusion, grief, either as an individual or as more of a community or a national crisis or something bigger, something more than just one person, a community of some kind. Prayers of lament. We have to express those and no one should ever be condemned for expressing it. No one ever should be looked down upon. In fact, I think the person who can honestly express the lament typically has more faith than those who feel like they have to be fake and put on some smile that everything is okay when it's not. Now, there's another kind of psalm, and it expresses more than just fear and grief and confusion. It expresses something maybe even stronger. And this is what we refer to as the imprecatory psalms. The book of Psalms is rich with poetry, praise, joy, sorrow, and more. It was written by several authors, including King David. There are seven major types of psalms found in this book. Lament psalms, thanksgiving psalms, enthronement psalms, pilgrimage psalms, Royal Psalms, Wisdom Psalms. Now, remember the other article said, I think there was five. This says there's seven categories. And guess what they'll end with? Imprecatory Psalms. And an imprecation, or an, yeah, an imprecation, imprecation, if I can say it correctly, imprecation is a curse that invokes misfortune upon someone. An imprecation is a curse that invokes misfortune upon someone. That's what an an imprecation is, is you're pronouncing a curse against someone. I want you to hear that. These are Psalms where this is occurring. Imprecatory Psalms are those in which the author imprecates. That is, he calls down calamity, destruction, and God's anger and judgment on his enemies. This type of psalm is found throughout the book. The major imprecatory psalms are as follows. Psalm 5, Psalm 10, Psalm 17, Psalm 35, Psalm 58, Psalm 59, Psalm 69, Psalm 70, Psalm 79, Psalm 83, Psalm 109, Psalm 129, Psalm 137, and Psalm 140. That's 5, 10, 17, 35, 58, 59, 69, 70, 79, 83, 109, 129, 137, and 140. Here is some of the language from these Psalms. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. Rise up, Lord, confront them. Bring them down with your sword. Rescue me from the wicked. Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that do not call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and devastated his homeland. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's some strong language. Language that would greatly go against what we're taught to do in the New Testament. Now, there's been much debate on how to use the imprecatory psalms, how to, how to interpret the imprecatory psalms. I don't think it should be that complicated. I think that they express the feeling, the desire of the psalmist, and that we, at times, if we're honest, has that same desire for judgment, for destruction, 
on those who do evil. We, we, we express that anger to God. It's okay to express it to God. However, we express it so that we work through it so that we can maybe move to a more spiritual perspective, like loving our enemy, as clearly laid out by Jesus in the New Testament, forgiving our enemy, turning the other cheek. But sometimes we can't get to loving my enemy. I can't get to turning the other cheek until maybe I first express my real feelings. And guess where I can do that? In the prayer closet. I can scream out my spiritual anger. I can scream out my spiritual anger to work through it. According to God questions, they offer this. When studying the imprecatory Psalms, it is important to note that these Psalms were not written out of vindictiveness or a need for personal vengeance. Instead, that they are prayers that keep God's justice, sovereignty, and protection in mind. They try to approach it. Well, okay, okay. This doesn't express anything bad. And I don't think we have to do that. The psalmist expresses real human emotions. It, it not, doesn't necessarily make a judgment on the emotion. It just records the emotion. Remember, sometimes we, we get nervous. We see something in the Bible, and we think sometimes that it is prescribing what we are to do. Sometimes it's simply describing. When we read Job's words, it's not saying that all of us need to say, God, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. No, it's just describing the reality. Is it possible that some of the Psalms is just describing their emotion, not making a moral judgment upon it? It's just describing it. We always want to say, oh, wait, wait, wait. It's telling me to do that. No, it's just telling you what they did. It's just telling you what was said. God's people had suffered much at the hands of those who oppressed them, including the Hittites, the Amorites, the Philistines, and the Babylonians. These groups were not only enemies of Israel, but they were also enemies of God. They were, de they were uh, degenerate and ruthless conquerors who had repeatedly tried, to, uh, tried and failed to destroy the Lord's chosen people. And writing the imprecatory Psalms, the author sought vind vindication on God's behalf as much as they sought their own. Well, maybe... Okay, but while you're sitting there saying, oh, these people are God's enemies, let's not forget all the horrible, evil things Israel did. Remember, at one time, Israel was sacrificing their own kids. So let's not forget that while you're over there yelling, screaming at everyone else, hey, Israel, you got about 9 million skeletons in your own closet. Okay, so I, so I don't, but see, I, I don't have to sit there and get into that. I can just say, man, they were upset. They were expressing their anger. They were wanting God to destroy their enemies. Okay, I can relate to that feeling. I can relate to that feeling. I'll, 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 just, I'll just tell the story. It's not a good story. It's not a nice story, but it's a real. I've talked about before that when I walked into the, the front door of Jim Ned High School, when I was a teenager, I basically walked into four years of just absolute pain and suffering. It was just a horrible four years experience. Bullying, I did not fit in. It was just, it was constant conflict. I was in fights. I was getting beat up. It was just, it was never ending. Not even being able to even go into all the details, everything that was going on in my home at that time. And I, look, there was some real anger and hatred for some of those people, especially the first, I think by the, by, by my junior, senior year, the, the things had changed somewhat differently. But my first two years, it was just a horrible situation. Our school had this absolutely ridiculous, bigoted, racist, horrible activity called Slave Day, where if you're a freshman, you literally stood up in the gym, you had to wear a jeans and a white t-shirt, you stood up on a platform and, and the, uh, other students could bid money to purchase you for a day and they can make you do all kinds of, of embarrassing, stupid things. And in many cases, some really horrible things happen. Really, because you like you think it's just supposed to be a nice, fun way to make some, you know, the school to raise some money or something. But it turned into bullies buying you and then make humiliating you and making your life horrible for that day. 
Well, I was like, I will not participate in this absolutely re- slave day. Really, guys? Slave day? You, nobody sees a problem with this in this school? And I'm like, I'm not going to participate. Well, basically, I was told that no one had ever refused to participate in the history of the school. And if I did, I was going to have a target on my back. And that the teachers t- pulled me aside and said, we will not be able to protect you. What's going to happen to you is going to be bad. And I was receiving threats that if I don't participate, that they're going to get me. And I, what all this? So the teachers... Uh, had to basically purchase me to try to protect me from what was, well, what was headed my way, which was just insane. But still things came and it got bad and it got bad. And I got so upset with it all, so angry at it all, so tired of it and saw no way out of it that I took my dad's gun, drove to the parking lot of the school, and thought about going in and killing people. I don't say that, that that was a godly attitude. Obviously, I don't. I wasn't even, I don't think I was even a believer. Yeah, I wasn't a believer at the time. My salvation came later. But even if I would have been a new Christian, I still would have thought about it. Because I, you know, I still didn't quite, quite grasp the whole love your enemy, turn the other cheek. I, I thought about destroying them. I didn't have any way to express. I, how was I going to express it? The imprecatory Psalms would have given me the ability, God, these people deserve to be destroyed. These people deserve to be judged. These people are evil. These people are, are hurting me. These people, are, I would have had a way to express that anger to God. I would have had an ability to express my frustration with God. God, why, why is, why is this happening to me? This would have given me an, a, a, an outlet to express it, not to stay in that mindset, but to work through it to, I begin to see things in a more clear way. Think of it like sometimes if you think of counseling, counseling sometimes is where you can express whatever the real you You're there with the counsel. You can express your pain. You can express your anger. You can express whatever. And they're there. It's in private. Well, in a sense, prayers of lament and imprecatory psalms gives you to express those deep feelings of anger and confusion and, and, and whatever it is to God in the most real way where you don't have to walk around and pretend like churchianity will make you do. Jesus himself at times quoted some of the imprecatory Psalms and John 2, 17 and 15, 25. He also instructed us to love our enemies and pray for them. Matthew 5, 44 through 48, Luke 6, 27 through 28. The New Testament makes it clear that our enemy is spiritual, not physical. Ephesians 6, 12. It is not sinful to pray the imprecatory Psalms against our spiritual enemies, but we should also pray with compassion and love and even thanksgiving for people who are under the devil's influence. Now, I'm going to stop right here. I don't think it's a sin. I'm going to disagree. I think the imprecatory Psalms can be screamed out to God. You're not, you're not, you're, you're just expressing what's there. It, you're not making a, hey, Lord, I'm going to express this and this is a right attitude. No, I'm going to express this attitude because it's a real attitude. Then you can struggle with the correctness or rightness of the attitude after. It's giving you the ability to scream out in pain. It's giving you the ability to express it. See, we're always like, oh, no, I don't know if I, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't. No, express it. Work through it. Then figure out the biblical approach to the situation. They take it that, well, hey, it's not sinful as long as you do towards your spiritual enemies. You can't pray this towards people. You're just, you're just expressing these words. Now, I, I completely agree that, we, that what we should do is pray for our enemies, pray for their salvation. I, I agree, but we got to get through this. The imprecatory Psalms communicate a deep yearning for justice. Okay, that, a deep yearning for, for, well, punishment upon those who have hurt us. That's an imprecatory Psalm. That is what it is, and we need both. We need both. Now, I'm going to do this because someone emailed me in regards to this subject. And they stated 
this. They, they emailed this to me on May the 28th at 5.26 p.m. So within, it's a little, uh, it's, it's, over, uh, it's over 24 hours, so I'm a little late responding to this, but I want to respond to it. They say, good afternoon. I really appreciate your approach towards the imprecatory Psalms and prayer of pain part two. It's a topic I've wrestled with for a while. I've often find myself reflecting on Psalm 109, and uh, I won't. They, there's there's a reason they do so. I'm not going to mention it here, um, but they're, they're, they've been reflecting on it. All right. All the verses below are from the New American Standard 1995. Appoint a wicked man over him, and let an accuser stand at his right hand. The King James, which is interesting, says, "Let Satan stand at his right hand." But the word Satan there, I think, means accuser. So that's just interesting that you, you, you know, if we could get into a whole, you know trying to break the psalm down. And maybe at some point we'll study Psalm 109. Uh, But appoint a wicked man over him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him come forth guilty and let his prayer become sin. Hey, I want this person accused. I want this person have a wicked person over them. I want this person judged. I want their prayer even to become sin. I want this person to be completely judged and accused and condemned and even someone evil placed over them. I mean, those are some strong words. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow. I I want this person to be judged and removed so that their children doesn't have a father and their wife doesn't have a husband. I mean, that's, those are some, some strong words. Now, just remember, you say anything this in churchianity, they'll be, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Right. I'm, no one, look, there's a time to say, okay, we've got to work through these emotions. There's a time the emotions need to be expressed so that we can get to maybe a more New Testament approach to it. Let the creditor seize all that he has. Let strangers plunder the product of his labor. Let there be none to extend loving kindness to him, nor to be gracious to his fatherless children. I mean, that is, whoo. Um, Yeah. And the person, the person writing, I'm not going to read the next thing because I don't want to give any too much detail here. Just let's just say they've experienced some very, some pain and some suffering at the hands of someone. They, they, they've, they've experienced some, some things really strong, strong here. I, I don't know all the details, but I don't want to read anything that would give away any specific details. And all the reading and listening I've done on the imprecatory psalms, everyone seems to come to the same conclusion. There are no circumstances in which believers are to pray the imprecatory psalms. We bless those who persecute us and leave a room for the wrath of God, but overcome evil with good. This makes sense with a plain reading of Matthew 5 and Romans 12, but it doesn't help at all with the bitterness. And I agree. I think that that's wrong to say that we can never pray them. I think that that we take those words and we say, Lord, this is how I feel. I want my enemy. I want the person who's done this to me. I want them to be judged. I want them to be removed. I want their, 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 their wife to have no husband and their children to have no father. I want this to happen. This is what I want in my flesh. This is what I feel in my heart, God. And then you may even add, and God, I'm upset that you have not stepped in to do anything about this and you've let this happen to me. Where have you been? Why have you not done anything? But you say that in your prayer closet. You express it in the most, it, it's a, it's a, almost a fleshly scream. It's, it's at, the, at the very base of you. You just let it out. The very center of you, you let out the scream of pain. Using those the exact words of scripture. Use the exact words found in God's word. And say, as the psalmist said, this is how I feel, Lord. This is how, the, uh, this is how I feel. This, and, and express it. Take the words and read them to God. You're expressing the feeling that this is how you feel. If you feel that. Now, after you've expressed that, after you may weep, 
You express it. You may spend some time in silence just before God. You just let it all out. I mean, you just keep, you may have to repeat it over and over. You just let it all out. And once it's all out, you may want to just lay on your face before God. And then say, Lord, this is how I feel. But I know your word tells me to feel this. And then you repeat the words to God in prayer. Love my enemy. Turn the other cheek. But Lord, I am so overwhelmed with the bitterness and the hatred and the unforgiveness that I feel like this, but this is what I know. You, it, The prayer is an actual just complete counseling session where you express what you feel and what you know you should feel and express that you don't feel what you should feel. I think we have to express it. I, don't, I, I think if we don't express it, there can be no spiritual growth. There can be no spiritual solution. This person goes on to say, I feel, and please note, this person says that, hey, if I, if I was to do what the New Testament says, right, you know, that, uh, that if I don't pray these Psalms and that I bless those who persecute me and I do all of that and leave room for the wrath of God and overcome evil with good, they says it makes plain sense. They acknowledge it makes plain sense in Psalms 5, but it doesn't help at all with the bitterness. No, the bitterness is still there, all right? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's already... It, the, the person is already acknowledging, like, if I do what the New Testament tells me to do, I'm just pretending. I'm just pretending. Yeah, yes, you're, it, that's all you can do is pretend. Lord, I love my enemy. Like, it would be me sitting in the parking lot of the school. Lord, I love all of the people in this school. No, I had a gun and I wanted to go in and kill everyone in this school. That's what I wanted to do. Now, I wasn't a believer at the time, but if I was a believer, I needed to scream to God, I want them destroyed. I want fire to come down and wipe the school off the face of the earth and there'd be no one left. That's what I needed to express and then lay in silence before God. And then at some point say, but Lord, I know that is not what I'm supposed to feel. It is a whole process where there's a reality. There's got to be a realness in the prayer closet. Not a fakeness. It's not time to, to it, it, you don't have to say it is well with my soul. I hate it is well with my soul theology. I hate, I, I don't even like the hymn, okay? It just drives me crazy. And if certain historical studies are accurate, the person who wrote the hymn lost his mind thinking it was Jesus. I think he ended up in a mental asylum if that historical study is accurate. But it didn't end well with his soul. Now, there's some dispute on that, but so... I'm just saying, I just don't like it because it tells everyone, say it as well. It's not well. I, need, I don't need to express that as well. I need to express that I'm angry, that I'm upset, that I'm mad, and I want these people destroyed, and I want his kids not to have a father, and I want his wife not to have a husband. You say, you can't express that. Yes, I can, because that's how I feel. God can handle my anger. Then, after I express it, I lay in silence before a holy God. And then say, but Lord, you love me. You save me. And based off my actions, my kids should be fatherless and my wife should be a widow. Lord, I know I deserve to be destroyed. Lord, help me with my bitterness. Help me with my anger. But see, you've actually expressed the anger. You've actually stated the word, but you've used words of scripture to do so. The, uh, then the person writing said that they feel comfortable with passages like Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4. How long, O Lord, will, you, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Now, yeah, it's easier to feel more comfortable with Habakkuk because it's more of a lament than an imprecatory. I think Habakkuk is more of a prayer of lament or a psalm of lament, not an imprecatory. The imprecatory make us feel uncomfortable. And you know why the imprecatory make us feel uncomfortable? I'm, this is what I think. Whenever I read an imprecatory psalm, 
I'm like, oh, man, I don't like the reflection because that looks like me. That's how I've felt. That's how I've felt. I felt it about the kids I went to school with. I felt it about my parents. I'm not supposed to say that, but I have. I have felt strong emotions at a particular time when I called someone to confess my sins. They told me they would help me. They hung up the phone, never spoke to me again. And then they, then they, when they hung up the phone with me, called everyone they could find to tell them what I had confessed. Yeah, I had anger. Now, I needed to express that to God, not to anybody else. I, need, I didn't need to tell anyone else. I didn't need to go, I know I needed to fall on my face before God and say, God, I am angry. But I needed to work through it and say, Father, I want to handle this in a godly way. But I had to express the anger first. This email goes on to say, Speaking of the Beckett passage, the emailer says, but that's a complaint about God's apparent in an action and doesn't address the heart behind the injustice and dismay and bitterness um, when, the, when they are being going through a very difficult time. Again, I want to, um, I, I'm trying to be careful not to read anything that would give anything away. I'm trying to be very careful and respect a person's privacy. But I think that they 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 express what a lot of people fear here. So when it comes to um, when it comes to the the uh, Psalm of Lament and Habakkuk, the person who writing me is saying, "Hey, that it, that's a complaint about God's apparent inaction, and it doesn't address the heart behind the injustice and dismay and bitterness." When this person experiences being tormented and nothing gets done. Okay, it's not the exact same situation, but you can draw a correlation and you can say, Lord, in my situation, as Habakkuk expressed his dismay in his situation, all I see is injustice and wrong in this situation and nothing is done. Where are you? Where is the justice? Where is the righteousness in these actions? Because all I'm experiencing is injustice and being tormented by this person's actions. You can still express it. You can you can take these words and make them relevant to your situation. Not that you listen, not that you simply apply the verses to yourself. You use them in prayer and then you go study it to find out the real situation and find out what's going on. You never just apply it to you and ignore the other. You go study the other, but you can use the words in your own prayer. They go on to say, I like the perspective you had on the imprecatory psalms and using them to voice our pain towards God. But at the same time, I'm really not sure how to pray things like Psalm 109, 14 through 15 without doing so from a heart of anger and malice that crosses a line from righteous to sinful anger. I say, look, in prayer, express your sinful anger. You're just screaming out to God, here's how I feel. You're not saying, God, here it, here's how I feel and it is right. Here is how it's feel. Bless it. Here is how it's feel. Tell me it's holy. No, you're expressing what it is. You're expressing, here's how I feel. I want the person destroyed. I want the, their family not to have a husband. And I want their children not to have a father. You, ex, you let it out. You let the imprecatory psalm out. You let, you, it expresses what's inside of you. You're not saying, God, this is right. You're saying, God, this is how I feel. You've got to notice that distinction. Then you lay in silence. And I mean that, or sit in silence. After you let it out, you just sit there before God. Give it some time. Then say, Lord, that's how I feel. But here are the words that you give me in the New Testament. This is what you call me to do and to be, to put away all wrath, to put away malice, to 
put away bitterness, to love my enemy, to put set vengeance aside and let vengeance be yours, to place this before you. But you have to express the anger and the, and the imprecatory Psalms gives you the language to express that anger, not in a way that you're saying that it's good. You're just expressing the reality of what is in you. And you're using biblical language to do so. If the psalmist can express it, you can express it. If if Job can express, I wish I was dead and I was never born, we can express it. Not saying that their expression or our expression is right or righteous. It's expressing what is real. We have to be real before we can advance spiritually and move towards a more righteous approach. If all we try to do is cover, quote unquote, a it is well, I love my enemies, and just try to cover up the bitterness with a, basically a righteous look, what with fig leaves, sooner or later the fig leaves are going to catch on fire from the anger that they're covering, from the bitterness that's inside. So don't cover it up with a Band-Aid. You've got to get the infection out, right? If I have, if my arm is infected, right? And the the infection is spreading and I'm going to lose my arm. And I'm like, okay, man, that looks ugly. That's horrible. Ugh, that's disgusting. Let me put a bandage on top of it. No, you got to get, you got to do something to get rid of the infection. The infection is your anger. The infection is your bitterness. The infection is your wrath. Your infection is your confusion and your upset and, and, and whatever the issues are towards God or towards someone else. That's got to come out before there's any hope of replacing it with peace and love and forgiveness. And then they quote, Psalm 109, 14 through 15. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord and do not let the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off their memory from the earth. Wow. Those are strong words. But they express a feeling. I, I don't Look, not everyone's like me. But I know I've felt those. I would, I've felt that to happen at times. And guess what? I felt that to, to to probably occur to people. And I probably would. And, and I know it was one hundred percent wrong and sinful to feel that way. But I felt that way. But you know what? You got to express it. Then you lay before God. Then you say, Lord. That's how I feel. This is what you tell me to be. Help me be something other than what I feel. That's the point of the imprecatory psalms. That's the point of the psalms of lament. I'm angry right now angry over what I believe people who, who seem to want to fight and argue about guns when there's children who haven't even been buried yet. I, I, I'm just, I'm blown away that people want to make it. We're going to fight about gun. There's children who were slaughtered and you want to fight about guns, right? I get angry. In my prayer closet, I may pray in a precatory psalm to get past that and say, Lord, have mercy on people who would put guns before children. And maybe that's not what they're trying to do. And maybe I need to be more patient and realize that, that they may be broken over the children as well, but they're just not showing. And then try to see it. But I got to get through my anger. Faith in God requires an honesty before God. A faith that cannot be honest with God is a faith that's fraudulent. It's fake. 
psalms of lament and imprecatory psalms. All right, and just remember, because I think I said the word wrong the first time, an imprecation, I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-I-O-N, imprecation is a curse that invokes misfortune upon someone. That's what an imprecatory psalm basically does. It's not about whether it's right or wrong. It's about it's real and true. And then you express that to get to the correct, to get um, to move away from an imprecation to pronouncing a blessing and forgiving and loving and overcoming evil with good. There we go. You can email me. Uh, someone said they just tuned in, and uh, this is already fantastic. Can't wait to catch up with the first part. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, the responses to this have been extremely positive, far more positive than my discussions about uh, uh, trying to look at uh, guns from a theological perspective. That did not go over so well, uh, but uh, I appreciate that, and I, I'm hoping that this benefits uh, someone. And uh, I know my approach to these are very is very different than others. I know I kind of once again find myself on an island all by myself, but um, I think the Book of Job shows you how just brutally honest you can be with God. And uh, we can be brutally honest with God, and then we can acknowledge that maybe our brutal honesty reflects that there's something not right in our heart, and then we move past the wrong feelings to a biblical perspective. There you go. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great rest of the evening, a great Memorial Day weekend. Do take a moment to just uh, remember those who lost their life in serving uh, in the military and fighting the wars of this country, Uh, even if it's wars that you may disagree with. Just remember those young men and women laid down their lives serving the country and following the orders of the the commanders above them and trying to do what hopefully they thought was right. Um, You may have a cemetery around that has veterans who've been, uh, you know, buried there. You may have a memorial somewhere here in Abilene at the courthouse. Uh, They have uh, things with different uh, soldiers who have fallen in action. And uh, when I did jury duty recently, when the last day of jury duty, I just went over there and walked and, and kind of touched each name on the memorial of people who died in World War II and and, and looked at the, the bricks they had there just to remember, because again, it's a time of uh, just a reminder of the evil in the world and how evil war is and how many lives are taken in it. And you can pray for the people currently suffering what is happening in the Ukraine at the hands of Uh, Russian troops. All right. I'll start with there. Everyone have a great day and a great Memorial Day. God bless.